Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. There it is. We're live. All right. Imagine how technology works. We get to just hit a button and then our conversations are recorded for all of time. So I am excited to introduce our guest today. More than 20 years, decades worth of experience in marketing and it across the whole spectrum too. I think sometimes, you know, we, we chat on here with specialists. Sometimes we talk with people who have done certain things for years, professors, that kind of thing. Um, but to talk to someone so experienced across the whole board, the marketing side, the brand side, creative, strategy, copywriting, consulting, um, even sales, right? So all those different aspects to be able to chat with him is going to be awesome. Currently a fractional CMO, which we should talk about to startups and SMBs. Chris Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Casey. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. This is going to be exciting. It's going to be I'm fun. I'm stoked to learn things from you right now and just, you know, just get things going here. I mean, it's a little morning. I got my coffee. I'm ready to rock this thing. So it's our marketing leadership series, and I want to pass you something real quick to start the show the way we start every show. All right, it's heavy. All right, you got it? Here you go. You got it? 
All right, that's Thor's hammer. All right, take Thor's hammer for me and smash some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, and just set the record straight once and for all. Definitely have a, a few of those for you and, and a few that I've worked a, a long time to, to break. And I think the first one, and I think it's important to know, I do a lot of content marketing. I do a lot of brand okay. strategy. And those are my kind of two areas of focus. Although, as you said, I, I tend to do a lot of different things and have over my career. But the first one, the big one is, is content is king. And uh, there's this notion that if you build it, they will come, or if you write it or produce it or record it, they will come. And, and time and time again, I've seen great content that, that stands alone, that no one finds. And I think what people miss out on a lot is a distribution plan. And how are we gonna get this content out there? And that's more than dropping a few hundred bucks on a sponsored post or something. There's no way to, um, to push it out there without a, without a true plan. And that means um, all the marketing principles come into play in, in audience and, and channel and timing and, and everything else that you would typically, typically do on a campaign. For some reason, people don't just, just don't do it on, uh, on uh, great content that's going online. So that, that's certainly yeah. the first one. Well, let's, let's break that up. Let's, let's smash it into many little pebbles and pieces. Uh, so content is king. Is it not king? Or, it it or is where king, but it's, it's I, I don't know how you extend the metaphor here, but it's <laughs> uh, content. The, the king needs a queen or the king needs an army. I'm not sure which, uh, which way you want to go there, but uh, really great content is, is halfway. And until you, dis, uh, you have the, the distribution side of it, it it's, it's not going to be effective. Right. You know, I guess as you described it, that makes sense, right? I think sometimes when we say content is king, I know I've probably felt this a couple of times. You, you think because it's king, that means like, to your point, if you build it, they will come. Well, it's the king. So I just make it and it works, right? And it's like, no, it's not. But you know, I'm thinking about chess. Maybe content is kind of like the king, right? Yeah. There it is, but it's not the queen. It can't move all over the board like this magical device. No, it just you move little pieces here and there, but the whole army to your point, you need all the pieces. Be, yeah. You need all the pieces. I like totally. that. See, that's a, that takes the analogy and runs with it. I like it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We'll make the whole thing all about chess. No. So, <laughs> so distribution plan that sounds professional. It sounds like the right thing to do. What is that? How, how do so, you do that? I'll borrow a, I'll borrow a, a term from a, a colleague and friend of mine, Emery Tapke, um, who talks about an ecosphere and building out an ecosphere around a piece of content. And usually in, in my world, that means multiple pieces of content. And there's usually a, a tent pole or a feature or focus piece, a centerpiece. Um, maybe it's a video, maybe it's a, a course, whatever it happens to be. But then there's gotta be a lot of other pieces of content that go around it. And ideally you're looking for someone to find you through the centerpiece or one of the tentacle pieces and and come through into the world and and kind of have different experiences, learn different things, engage in different ways. And obviously different pieces of content are in there. And that means, so it's a video, you're going to have other videos and other snippets, and it's going to be cut for different pieces of social. Yeah. You're going to have a PR umbrella around that. You might have a, a, a paid plan that picks up when organic drops off. Um, you might have um, influencers and, and, uh, and press and and other folks that are timed to share that. Um, other you might have other content creators involved in in creating and sharing. 
uh, there's a there's a lot that that kind of builds that ecosphere, and it's a lot of work and a lot of uh, a lot of thinking. But yeah. that's how that's how a piece truly um, uh, kind of grows and gets shares and and everything you're looking for. But more importantly, how you um, how you're engaging the audience. And I'm looking for three three things in a campaign like that in a kind of content marketing campaign. I'm looking for it to uh, engage certainly, and and that's more than that's more than just I click like on it or mm-hmm. even that I share it. I'm looking for engagement to build a community and, and bring people into a community, whatever that may be. Um, it needs to educate. And, um, and that can be a lot of different ways. It can be uh, um, in politics, it's uh, educating around building an opinion out or um, it's uh, building a skill set or whatever right. it happened to be. And then the third one in there is entertain. If you can engage, entertain, and educate, you've got a fantastic piece of content. And then if you've got the distribution around it or the ecosphere around it, um, you're really doing something then. This, this is a great framework. And uh, I want to go through each one of those with you. You know, as you were describing the – well, I love the analogy. We're going to get some analogies today. I feel like we got the right coffee today. Um, I'll, do, uh, I'll do my share of sports analogies along the way. Oh, too. we, we got to get some of those sport, Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, I I grabbed the heard the tent pole one. I was like, oh, you have a tent, and you have the pole that holds it up. But um, you're describing, you know, surrounding content with its with content and video and PR and influencers and press. And I was just thinking work. And you even said, hey, this this takes a lot of work and thinking. But I wonder if people either aren't doing this because it's work or just. Uh, you know, I, and it reminds me of even the, the book authors I talked to. David Meerman Scott has said this, and it was right. You know, you write a book, like you, you, a fraction of the time is doing the book. The rest of the time, you're just marketing your butt off to yep. get people to actually read it. Well, think about a, a TV spot. You, and, and this is old days of, of advertising, but yeah. you spend six, seven figures on a TV spot. Did anybody just put that on their website ever? No, there was a $10 million TV buy that went around it and it, and it dropped across, you know, a, a full media plan. And yeah, there's a video, even if I record a video in my living room around the brand, still need a distribution plan. Still need a distribution plan. Got it. Um, let, and let's get into like the actual planning in a second. I love to go through that list. You mentioned the three things you're looking for in, and is that just in any campaign or especially in a content campaign? I mean, it's, I use it for content campaign. It's harder to do with certainly traditional outbound advertising um, unless you're really good and, uh, and you've got a great brand that you're working with. Um, You can certainly build those things, but it, it it holds true across any kind of marketing campaign. It's definitely true on what the goal should be for content marketing. And it doesn't have to be all three, but it definitely has to be one of those, if not two and three, you're doing great. Yeah, I, I get the sense that you could nail it with one, but it still might not be it. But you're right, two or three of those, but you get the magic three. So let's go through it. So engage. You know, it was interesting. You you said like engagement, because I think we use it a lot in marketing. Yeah. You're, it's like, I'm not looking for the like here, people. I'm not looking for the little heart icon to be clicked on the on the tweet. And that that's the engagement and the end of the story, you know, or the, the double tap on Instagram. I'm looking for more bringing them into the community is what you said. Can you talk a little more about that? 
Yeah, sure. The uh, and how many how many reports monthly monthly analytics and uh, reports? You know, we're, we're given insights as an agency to a client, and I spent twenty years at agencies and and have certainly done more than my share of these reports and overseen them. And um, the biggest mistake agencies make, and particularly the the younger staff members, is is that engagement column. The measurement for them is typically likes shares mm. views and is that real engagement i mean that's a that's a the, the friction on that is so low that it's 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 certainly a value and it, it's certainly good to measure that but that's mm. not what engagement is and engagement is is someone coming back someone that that subscription if it's on youtube the um the um buying the product telling a friend the referral the recommendation yeah. the the yelp review if you're in travel and tourism or the the trip advisor review um it, it's it's just a lot more than than what we say it is on a on a monthly report yeah yeah those little sometimes those metrics can be interesting i was thinking about a i did this little video on linkedin where i was talking about my book and i was all excited and it took a couple takes to get that right but uh um yeah, it had some like 10,000 views and it was like, cool. But to your point, okay, all right, you got some views, got some exposure here, but that's not the metric you're looking at on your dashboard. That's not the thing that you're reporting on. Hi, yeah. our, hey, by the way, our YouTube channel has, you know, 10,000 views. Okay, cool. What are we doing with those views? Are those views the right people? Are they, to your point, buying the thing? Are they signing up for our whatever? Like, are they getting into our, our funnel? Yeah, and really, the all three of those in different ways work to get someone to care. Like, oh, why do you give a shit? Why right. why should someone care about your company, your brand, your product? Um, ideally, those are the three ways that you can get someone to care. They learned something from you, they got a laugh from you, or um, or they uh, they felt a part of something in engagement and community. And that's really what I'm looking for in engagement, which is much harder to measure. Right, and then on the educate side, um, where where do you get where do you get the superpowers so, to educate people? I've got a great a great example, and this goes back a little ways. Uh, I've done travel and tourism for the bulk of my career, and, okay. and did a lot of work uh, in the cruise industry, and mostly with Norwegian Cruise Line. And one thing we did, and like I said, this is more than ten years ago, so it's uh, it, it's back during the the recession in '08. Sure. And, and before that. Um, but what we did is, is we built a um, education platform for travel agents. And at the time, travel agents were selling 80% of 80% of uh, cruises. Really? You know, the Expedia's and things like that of the world were coming on. Right. Um, but buying a cruise even then was just incredibly complicated. And, and, uh, you you did need a travel agent as a it was a strong distribution system and and still is mm. I mean it's still over half I think are sold through travel agents if you include the the OTAs certainly um, so we built this portal and it wasn't just product education and that was certainly in there this is the ship this is the restaurants this is right. where it goes the destination but we also did social media courses and luxury selling and right. upselling and um, how to market your agency and the things that travel agents really needed to know that weren't necessarily about us. And it was a, it was a slow go. I remember sitting, uh, watching a panel and uh, the questions were, this is probably 09 or, or 10, and questions were like, 
how do I log into Twitter? How do I get an account? You know, wow. you're really starting from 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 zero on a lot of these. But before long, you saw you saw travel agents that were having digital profiles and personalities and online yeah. online influence. You know, sure. in the early days as as travel agents, and they really started to pick it up as a community. And around that, it's called NCL University. Around that uh, platform. We had simple forums and things like that and chat places for travel agents to share knowledge and to, and to chat. And a real community grew around that. And so mm. we got education. We went out with education. What we got was unheard of engagement wow. um, to the point that uh, that became an advisory committee to a certain degree. Um, along with the, the people that were selling a lot of cruises, we were, we were focus grouping those on the product on the ships and the destinations and and it really just became an important tool for us plus like really the 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 last measurement is is revenue and and mm -hmm. people that were uh people that were um involved in that platform sold double digit percentage more than people that weren't really and, yeah and the the preference at the time i think it was the third largest cruise line and, and still is but by a much closer margin uh the preference of of norwegian versus princess versus royal caribbean uh we closed that gap as well and and that was through education but more importantly it was through engagement and this sense of community yeah that makes a lot of sense i'm pretty sure i bumped into a travel well i know she was a travel agent but um it, doing a family cruise like pre-COVID, it's kind of funny. We snuck it in there somehow um, on winter vacation. And uh, she was saying how, you know, she had her cruise lines that she, you know, knew yeah. very well and that kind of thing. And she might've even mentioned that it was Norwegian, but it, it was like, you know, she was chatting with someone from there who was like, oh, what, you haven't been? Like, come on, come on, we'll take you on here. We'll show you around. We want you to experience this. And just that sort of outreach to the influencers are really, it's a partner because they can actually. Yeah, and those, those are really partners. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the ultimate influencers because yeah. they're the one that's sitting at the purchase decision making a recommendation. <laughs> right. So they've been influencers for, you know, for decades, um, going back to Thomas Cook in the 1800s in, in, in London, I think you've got um, someone that's influencing a decision at the point of purchase. Right, right, man. Um, and then you, you also mentioned that the revenue is that most important metric at the end. You know, how true, right? You, it's one thing to have a, you know, hey, it's a QT university and we just spent, you know, half a million dollars on it. It's like, okay, but dot, dot, dot to then show double digit um, like revenue from those people that were involved in that versus those that weren't. Now it's like, cool, let's get more people involved in this. This is great. Yeah. And it's, and it's revenue. 99% has to be the, the, uh, the measurement. I think yeah. there's times where you're looking to, um, step up to that and it might be build traffic or, or, um, you know, build SEO or whatever it happens to yeah. be. And there's, there's some other things you can do where revenue is not the end goal, but, but really that's how I'm going to be measured as a fractional CMO. That's how any agency certainly is going to be measured and, and certainly, uh, internal marketing and, and marketing leadership on the corporate side is going to be measured. Awesome. At least it should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, for sure. And if you don't, things get wanky and yeah. weird after that. Um, tell me about the entertain side, that last part. How, how you've educated, you've engaged people, but like, how do you make it enjoyable? 
Um, you know, I, I, uh, I've done a lot of work with uh, the Holderness family. And I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it goes back to maybe 2013, 24, I forget the actual date, but they did something called uh, Christmas Jammies. And uh, Penn and Kim Holderness were both um, in the news business and news anchors and uh, Penn was a sports anchor. And, and uh, um, they decided to leave that world um with a young family and and did so with a with a video called christmas jammies and if you type that into youtube you will see it and you'll see the millions of views and everything else what they've done since is really build um an amazing following and even today they're they're doing these incredibly entertaining uh quarantine videos right or not quarantine but uh stay-at-home videos whatever whatever the world is happening pandemic i guess uh videos would be the right label but um uh and Penn has a formula or they have a formula that um, that I've written about and, and taken to heart on the entertaining side. And I always mess this up. So I'm going to I'm going to just look this real quick to make sure yeah. I, I get the letters right. But it's the, the formula is called smash. Okay. And it um, it's uh, it kind of brings in everything that um, everything that you need to entertain yeah. And likely engage and, and smash is uh, speed. So I need something's happening in the world. I need to react quickly. Yeah. So with pandemic, you're or with the pandemic, you're reacting quickly with a lot of great content around mm-hmm. what's happening in the world now. So right. it seems real. It seems real time. It's, it seems um, it seems in the moment. Um, if you don't have that speed to, and speed to react, it's, it's um, um, you know, pandemic videos hopefully aren't going to be interesting or entertaining in September, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, music is another one and anything you see with them and, and certainly a lot of, um, if you think about, you know, Gangnam Style or, or any of the, sure. the big uh, YouTube phenomenons over the, over the years, music has a lot um a lot to do with that all the the impromptu the pop-up dance numbers and things like that um and and you see that certainly with the the holderness family and their music um asymmetry uh we did a project with velcro companies to do um trademark protection people were saying velcro the product name like people say Kleenex and Xerox and Rollerblade and, and right. all those. And it's a huge issue. Their biggest asset is that trademark. And if people are saying, uh, are calling Velcro that's made by 3M um, instead of, and I, this is a tough one, hook and loop fastener, um, it's a major legal issue, which ultimately mm. impacts revenue. And what we did is a 1980s style, uh, we are the world video um, with trademark lawyers singing about respecting the trademark. So the job yeah. there was getting someone to care about the trademark of a $500 million company um, for a ubiquitous product that, um, uh, you know, that the ship had already sailed on everything Velcro was, was, or everything hook and loop was Velcro. So it was an incredibly important project for us, but that asymmetry of putting seeing lawyers on a set and making it almost seem like a fundraiser or something. Yeah. That's where the humor comes in. Makes no sense. Yeah. I love it. And that's where the humor comes in. And if you, if you look for the hashtag, don't say Velcro, you'll see, um, you'll see a series of great videos around that. Um, 
and and that's one of those we definitely built an ecosphere around and had a P, had air cover for PR and and uh, um, got 1.2 billion views worldwide. Um, truly, uh, truly uh, one of the most successful trademark protection campaigns ever. And that's going up <laughs> against Xerox and, and Rollerblade and some of these eight other fantastic campaigns over the years. You know, and you could easily just try to do the same thing in a negative sense, just sue someone really big. And then it's a news story. Velcro's a total jerk and they're suing people and protected that way. Yeah. But now you've just created a negative, you know, hit on your brand. Whereas in this case, we're like, look, they're lawyers we could sue you but like let's let's approach it i was watching a little clip right here as you're talking like it's on mute but i see like gospel singing lawyers yeah. and, and stacks of paper and they're just being ridiculous and they're not being too serious about themselves yeah and then the, the last two spontaneity and i think that's that's kind of an obvious one if if uh and it goes with speed to a certain thing but um, it's also looking for that moment, and and um, and Penn, who who wrote and directed the the, the Velcro Company work, uh, it's finding that moment in there, in the in the scene, in the shot, or behind the scenes, and picking that up and using it, and and looking for that spontaneous moment that's a bit of a surprise and delight, and um, including that, and then the last one, H in Smash, can go two ways: humor, which uh, is is an obvious for entertaining and engaging, but also honesty. And, and those typically can be one and the same, right? They can be, yeah. um, you know, speaking the truth is uh, a lot of stand-up comedians have, have made a, a lifetime career out of, uh, out of saying the truth. So honesty so and, and humor on the, on the smash. They say the truth will set you free, but sometimes it gets you in trouble. Yes. So yes. And why they're I'm certainly guilty of that. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a cool, yeah, I like that. And you know, Examples like the Holderness family um, or the Velcro, just giving us examples of ways we can, we can smash things, you know, whether it's with Thor's hammer or with a, with, with a campaign. With music. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll have to d definitely check out that, uh, that Velcro thing with some music on and see what kind of tunes they've got. It's fun. Yeah, it looks it. Um, huh. How, how does tech fit into this whole picture for you? How, how, do you, how do you do that and then keep your soul? Yeah, t tech is uh, tech I use for measurement, and and that's the, the biggest piece of it. Obviously, there are tools out. That, you know, I, I I use a lot of tools, um, a lot of web tools for SEO, for um, building out landing pages, for email marketing, and and those kind of things. Those are all tools in the uh, in the toolbox for what I do every day. Um, but really where tech is, is the most powerful for me is, is measuring things. And, and that's, that's as simple as Google Analytics up into some of the um, business intelligence dashboards and, and campaign dashboards that uh, either you're making custom or you're, you're subscribed to. Right. I like, I like that approach because it's very balanced and it, you're not saying like, I just need to buy this tech and my customers will be fine. Norwegian, you just need to buy this this community platform, you'll be fine. It, there's so much more strategy above all of that. You got to start there and then, yeah. then roll it out kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I've, uh, you know, coming from agencies, I always had an expert in each one of the, nice. the each, each level of the tech stack. And it's interesting. I, I, I left agency world because I felt like I was doing a lot more uh, running an agency and, and selling mm. uh, than and then damage repair and, and sure. firemen and those kind of things. Um, 
I wasn't doing as much marketing as I wanted to do. And that's what I love to do. And that's what I'm good at. And, and uh, I really wanted to get back to doing marketing. And I'm, it's funny, I'm finding myself in a lot more, uh, a lot deeper in the tech stack than I ever was um, when there was a whole group of people around the table that all had specialties in, in each one of those. I think it's become but a little more fun. ubiquitous, like it, a little easier to use so that you don't, you're able to spread that out, especially for the SMBs. You know, you're able to get people using it. You don't need a whole team to run a Pardot or anything like that, yeah. you know? Um, you know, I wanted to go back just for a second because you'd mentioned this and I realized um, <laughs> inter- I got distracted by entertainment. It's fun. Um, you mentioned the distribution planning. Big word, big words, lots of letters, probably get a good score in, in Scrabble, you know? Sure. Um, how, how do you, is it, do you have like an easy way of approaching that? What does that mean to you to plan the distribution of content? I've got a, I've got a, an interesting system for creating content. Um, and it starts with talking to audiences and it, um, it ends with, I would say repurposing, but the big one, um, you know, produce content is number five in there. And mm. It's, it's audience ID, uh, content ideation, keyword and competitive research. So you need to know what other content's out there in the world. Um, interviewing internal experts. Like I, I want to know what they, what they have uh, to say and what they can kind of shape the content as, particularly in B2B world and, and yeah. SMB world. Um, then you're producing content and then you get to that, that share and, and amplify. Um, measurements after that and then repurpose so along the way there you're building out a um you're ideally building out an ecosphere just like you would a a a marketing plan for a full brand or an annual marketing plan um you're building out a distribution plan marketing it's it's really a marketing plan um for a campaign right Ideally, you don't have one video that's going out. And I see that happen all the time. You see a brand pay a a content creator, an influencer, a lot of money for one piece of content. Mm. And their their goal is to have that person share it on their network and get go viral, right? And that's just not enough. And maybe there's a a boosted post in there or something. And so the planning is really, um, it starts with the audience and it's a, it's, it's whiteboarding. Um, every piece of the campaign, just like it used to be with print and TV and radio, and you would, you would concept each one of those out. That's all it is. It's, it's just yeah. picking up what we used to do with a traditional media mix. And we're, we're doing it with, with the tools that are available on digital. And, and right. that's, um, obviously what the content is, but, um, where it gets shared, what channels and, and it's not like TikTok's cool. Let's put it there. Um, is your audience on TikTok? Do, yeah. do they even know what it is? You know, it, it's um, uh, it's tough to really um, not chase the the latest, greatest, coolest, newest thing and put it in the right place. That's your favorite. Um, that's the favorite channel of your audience, or the the favorited channels of your audience. And um, you know, if I'm going after CEOs, I'm there's only a couple places I can be. And I better have the right people talking and sharing for me. And timing is incredibly important. Um, not a lot of CEOs are hanging on, uh, hanging online during the during the day, you know. So that you've really got to think about timing. Right. Um, 
the people who can help you get your message out and anymore that's influencers and content creators and and certainly the media and um, the channels and platforms so am i doing facebook youtube linkedin twitter TikTok, whatever it happens to be um the newspaper um in addition you know one of the yeah. things that we did with uh um with velcro company was make sure that um this was getting to the trademark law community mm-hmm. and there's publications and blogs and bloggers and and a whole world of of people that we needed to reach that you couldn't reach by typical means so um, you really have to think through what audiences you want um, and and kind of back out of it from there. Ultimately, it's a, it's several whiteboard sessions and several creative uh, brainstorming sessions. You know, I, I get it, the sense from this that you're very intentional about the distribution of it. And you, you listed a whole process you have for content. And then, you know, nestled in there is the share and amplify. But, but it's deceiving because, yes, it's a little bullet in here. But, man, it's... So important to your original point, like all those other things are fine and dandy, but the one to bold and star and italicize is that share and amplify. And then all these whiteboarding questions you need to answer in order to make it actually be seen by people. Yeah. The, the best example I can give of, of, of kind of the other side of this, I don't know if you're a, a, a Yellowstone fan, the, the TV show. Oh, um, no, what is that? There's a TV hey, show. So one of the best shows I've seen in years. And okay. it's, um, it's similar to Succession on HBO, if you've seen that. I haven't seen that um, either. I am so that's behind. A, that's a educate, great one. Catch me up. What do I need to do? Well, Succession's on HBO, so you can definitely find that one. Okay. Yellowstone's on the Paramount Network. Huh. And it's Kevin Costner running a ranch. And it is a fantastic piece of television. And amazing acting, amazing writing. Um, wow. Try and find the Paramount Network on your cable box, your, uh, your dish, your, your streaming services. Um, you can find it on Amazon, but you have to pay for it. And it's, it's not, it's not um, front page on Amazon for sure. Right. Um, one of the best shows I've seen in years. Obviously, great content. The distribution is terrible. Like, I, I don't know anything about it other than someone recommended it to me. And it, it's that good old word of mouth marketing that everybody craves, but it's hard to find. And, and I've told people about it. And a and, um, good example, my, my wife's Canadian and, and we were talking to her family and they literally couldn't get it. Like you couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, geez. Um, point being, great content, no distribution. Same with the the art house pictures over the years, but you know, getting crushed by the you know Thor's hammer and the the superhero <laughs> pics. They they were yeah. uh, they were taking up space at the box office, and so that's where uh, you know the independents didn't quite get in there as 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 strong. You know, it's funny. I I you know Googled it. Wikipedia was like, here's a bunch of info. It actually looks pretty cool. I clicked into Paramount's network. They don't even make it easy for me, and. I can't watch. I need to sign in to watch. And, and I don't even see season one, episode one. Like, ah, damn yeah. it. Cause I would probably watch this. I mean, see, yeah, it looks like a pretty, you said it's like a really good show. We should. It's a fantastic show. And how, how did you, how are you able to watch it? Um, I think we bought it through Amazon and you, you know, you buy the season, uh, Got it. but for purchase on a streaming on one streaming platform is is not the easiest uh easiest way to get a hold of something no it's not 
Hopefully. You have to be intentionally looking for it. And most businesses don't, don't survive if their audience is having to search for things. Um, you know, scarcity aside, that's, right. uh, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Like Paramount can't, um, you know, <laughs> they can't base their whole distribution strategy around, well, um, influencers will hop on podcasts and tell people about this. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if that was the only thing, <laughs> the only thing word of mouth was like, Hey, there's this real, I feel like that's serenity. And there's some other like sci-fi shows too, that yeah. off the air and people can't find them, but then like they have that cult following, but it's like, man, you could have kept it going if you just did a better job distributing this thing, man. Yeah. Like expanse was a sci-fi show that was really hard to find. And then expanse, it popped, then, right. Uh, I think, uh, Jeff Bezos liked it enough that they bought it for Amazon and, and they ended up being the production company for it. And now it's front page and easy to find. It, you're totally right. Cause I remember back in the day, I think I read the book related to it and then I'd heard, Oh, there's a series and it's tied to the book. And I'm like, Oh, let's check this thing out. And you could never really find it. Maybe it was on Netflix for a bit or something, but then yeah, it is front and center now on, yeah. on Amazon. That's funny how that works like that. Huh? Where where does this all go in the future? Where what do you do you see anything coming around the bend that we should be, keep our eyes open for? I mean, I I I, I hesitate to answer that question. Just be I, there's always going to be a new platform. You know, it's not always going to be Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn or whatever it is. And yeah. and um, I know one thing we we talked about uh, in our in our warm up call is. Um, the competitors for those folks are are two guys in a garage, mm. um, maybe not in the U.S. even, right? Like the right. those those platforms won't be the they won't be the the top forever, and you know even Bezos says in in fifty years we're gonna we're we won't be here anymore, just mm -hmm. like Sears and Roebuck. Uh, you know I think that was his yeah. reference, but um, to me the fundamentals never change. You heard me draw back on how we ran media campaigns when it was TV, radio, and print and sure. outdoor. Um, and then how, how we do that in a, in a digital landscape, it's the same fundamentals. So I don't care if we're doing VR or AI or whatever it is, you got to talk to your audience. You got to know your audience. Um, you gotta, you gotta be places where they, where they are. Um, and, Attract is always better than um, um, pushing out. You know, I like I like inbound versus outbound, uh, and I think that's um, those kind of fundamentals around that. The blocking, tackling, those are going to work whatever the platform is. Um, even if we're all standing around in you know Ready Player One style and and wearing headsets and experiencing the world that way, um, I still need to understand who's wearing the headset and what they want and what their motivation is. Great, great analogy. Great comparison. It doesn't matter, you know, the medium here. It's, we'll find a way, but I love how you brought it back to the fundamentals. Thinking about like football coach being like, you guys are all jacked up. We gotta get back to the fundamentals. Like, Hey, it doesn't matter what platform Facebook may not be here. It'll be something else. Um, which sounds crazy, but you know what? So did MySpace and, yeah. and AOL and, and, um, and print cards for computer programming, the audience, know your audience, be where they are. And the attract is always better. I like that. Yeah. Good stuff. Who are you? How, how did you become <laughs> the sage of the marketing world and this all, all knowing fraction? Um, it's, and it's a lot of different experiences over the years. Um, I've, I've been at 
six agencies, an island, and in the world of fantasy sports. And wow. uh, that's the quickest way to say it. But at those agencies, I've been a copywriter, and that's how I started out. I actually started out as an internal traffic coordinator. Well, we need to go way back. We need to go back further. Take us back to Little Chris days. Oh, Little Chris, Little did Chris. Did you know um, that you were going to be a marketer? What did you want to be when you were uh, at Stillwell, Kansas, in the middle, of, uh, middle wow. of nowhere, about, an, about 45 minutes south of Kansas City. Um, so I'm a Chiefs fan. That's, that's important. Um, <laughs> we can still be friends. Yeah. Um, you know, as a kid, when I was a kid, I um, I did a lot of design things, and and huh. when I was a little kid, I wanted to design cars. I think I saw Mr. Mom and knew that that was a job. All of a sudden, that you could design cars. And then when I was in high school in chemistry class and and physics and all the courses that I did not want to pay attention in, I was drawing golf courses on my in my notebook, and I wanted to be a golf course architect. And really, um, somewhere in there, you know, I grew up in the city in the country where you never saw buildings over two stories. And whenever we would drive uh, into Kansas city or, or through the country and we'd go through cities, I wanted to be an architect. I wanted to build, you know, design big buildings. Somehow though, design is the only thing I haven't done at an agency. I've been a, like I said, internal traffic coordinator, which is a, um, not the best best job for me, but uh, I've been a copywriter, right. a creative director, um, sure, uh, head of strategy, head of sales, head of marketing, head of growth. Uh, uh, I've led accounts and creative teams, and and led offices and yeah. agencies, and each one of those, I was able to get a um, a ton of experience in in different facets of the of the marketing world. Also, I learned from a lot of great people. Nice. Um, there's so many just fantastic people at, at every agency I've worked at, either um, wildly creative or just really smart and, and knew the strategy side of things or had been in the business for 40 years. And, and you know, I want to be a sponge. And uh, ABC is the is the Glengarry Glen Ross, uh, you know, always be closing my sure. my world is ABL. And that's always be learning. And, and I want to oh, love it. I want to soak up as much as much as possible from the people that I'm around. Unfortunately, sometimes that's also what not to do and, and see where people make mistakes and, and, uh, and understanding how to, uh, how to avoid those in your own kind of leadership style or, or tactics that you're deploying. So I think that's, um, that, that's something that's important as well. Um, I was also, uh, I led marketing for Catalina Express and was on the, uh, tourism board, um, the Chamber of Commerce and Visitors Bureau for Catalina Island. So that was a lot of fun and, and part of my Where is travel. that? It's 23 miles off the coast of California and oh, right. it looks like the Mediterranean and no one knows it's there, um, which you just proved, but um, <laughs> an hour by boat or 15 minutes by helicopter and you're in a what really feels like another world off the coast of LA. Um, and oh, look at it. Yeah, I'm seeing some photos. It does look like a Greece or a Yeah, especially on the the backside where there's um what what's kind of preserved as a as nature. Um there's also a, a great story there. There they had a uh a um old western shot there and and uh they brought over a herd of of buffalo for the western and then left them there. No kidding. And so there's a herd of buffalo that run around that island right around the Pacific. And, and it makes for some very interesting encounters on 
hiking trails and some really beautiful photography um, if you can catch one by the ocean. Wow. So you, now you got me watching TV shows. You got me jonesing to travel again one day so I can go check out Catalina Island, two harbors. Yep. Wow. Lots of good stuff there. Um, were you on the island when you were working for the chamber? A lot. Yeah. They, they're the, I worked for the ferry company that took people over there. And, that sounds and like a, a tough job. People. Sounds yeah, like a sacrifice really you made for humanity. I love yeah. it. That's great. No, it's uh, the um, Wrigley family owns most of it. And, and huh. uh, the Cubs used to do spring training there of all things. So oh, geez. It's pretty, pretty cool spot. Um, then I also um, completely different. I, I did uh, start up and did fantasy sports. So fantasy football, baseball, um, fantasy shows around some of the reality uh, fantasy programs around some of the reality shows that were around like The Bachelor. Yeah. Um, and that was a really interesting world to be in and got to got to meet or interact with a lot of NFL and NBA players, which, uh, you know, was fantastic for me to, as a, as a huge football Tell fan and sports yeah. fan, to, you know, to meet Christian Okoye and Marshall Falk and um, interact with, uh, you know, Brandon Roy and, and some of these just fantastic NBA or NFL players. Now, how tall are you? And how tall uh, are you? 6'3". Okay. So you're, you're almost up there with them or were you guys looking at each other? No, uh, no, they're, no, they, <laughs> they're still taller. Um, a lot of them are, some of them are surprisingly small, you know, no uh, kidding. Like, like Tony Dorsett, backs and Tony Dorsett, um, other than you can see the muscles under the shirt, not a huge <laughs> guy, Marshall Falk, not a huge guy, Brandon Jacobs. My, I felt like a little kid shaking his hand, <laughs> you know, like some of these guys are enormous and, and some of them are just, they have a lot more talent than size. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Yeah. The, the different in different roles need different size people too, yeah. which is, I think a lot of us just assume that, you know, they're always gigantic, but you're right. I mean, if you're a fast running guy, you don't need to be anything other than fast, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Huh? Wow. These are, these are some fun jobs. We got some fun jobs here in marketing. Yeah. And then the agency world has been great too. And I, I left it, but I, I learned a ton. I, I was in agencies in Kansas city. I was in agencies in LA um, and, and then in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I am now and, and wow. had great experiences at, at all of them and learned a lot at all of them. Yeah. You, know, you didn't mention it. Did you, did you study marketing when you're in school or? No, you, I was, uh, uh I, I did a little bit, but, uh, I was English. Um, which oh, okay. is the, I think the, when you don't know what you want to do, you, you do that one. And, and, uh, I came out and, and my first job was you, you knew you had to do this role, and it was kind of a project management role. You had to do it for a year. And at the end of a year, you could kind of pick what you wanted to do. And if that job was open and you were good enough at it and, and uh, you got to try it. And, and I, had, I really had a hard time choosing between broadcast producer and, and writer. And ultimately, huh. I, I, I chose writer. And, and that put me on a really good track. I feel like that the basis in writing and the foundation in writing plays such a huge role with marketing. It does. And, and, you know, it's overused a lot, but storytelling, and, and that's what we yeah. do a ton now is, is tell stories and, and try and make stories compelling um, and, and get them heard. And, and it's incredibly valuable. Also writing strategy, um, you know, certainly writing copy, but uh, writing strategy and, and pitching and all the things that you do in an agency or internal marketing department, um, selling ideas, all that is based in writing one way or another. Yeah, based in writing. And, and you're right, when you mentioned the storytelling, that somehow it turned into a thing. 
in marketing, but it's like the word brand. It all just it got away uh, from us. It got away from the entire industry, I think. Brand, ABM, storytelling. Yep. Um, there's a lot of those words. Uh, but yeah, but storytelling, it just it's one of those things where I think we could all use some practice. I had a chance to, to um, do this thing with, with EO a couple last year or whatnot, where I did a little Ted talk where you had to like refine a story into a seven, eight, 10 minute, whatever it was, you know, presentation. And I worked with a coach where she worked with a group of us where she was talking to us about, you know, you need the ups, you need the downs, you need, you need some sort of challenge. You need the different things to go into this story that you're telling. And, my biggest struggle was I, I was always so positive that I really had a, a struggle like going negative, you know, but it's like, yeah, but what's the challenge? Where's the, there's, there's, there's not really a story if there's, you're not fighting something. And so no, there's interesting. That's the, um, my time in LA and you just, you pick up this stuff and, and, uh, the, the hero's journey. And, and that's, oh, yeah. that's really where that's based. And, and, you can you can map any good movie and any good story to uh, to the hero's journey, and it's a it's a great book. Um, there's a lot in there that you don't need as a marketer, but wait, there's, there's a some, book called Hero's Journey. There's a book called Hero's Journey. Oh, sounds like and a, and it's um, incredibly valuable to to tell a story um, to understand. Uh, it's funny. It's uh, it lines up. One of the best examples. It lines up so perfectly with Star Wars and the the uh, the yeah. original Star Wars. Um, it it's a it's every step in the way. You know, it's funny. I just Google because I'm like, I gotta get me this. It, Joseph Campbell. So this, yeah, yeah. So I, I probably have already heard of this and I just forgot. But see, you, you're influencing me left and right. I got a new TV show to watch. I got a new vacation place to go to. I got a new book to read. Maybe while I'm on vacation. Yep. And uh, wow. Okay. But yeah, so it lines up though. All the different, can you line your marketing up to that? Yes. Yeah, okay. you can. And, and there's, there's probably, I've never actually done this. There's probably a great graphic to be done and I might just do this now. Um, if you line up the points in a hero's journey with the funnel. Okay. Um, with the sales funnel. Um, and I'm a big proponent uh of a double sales funnel anymore and and all the typical things that that you want to get awareness and consideration that lead down to a purchase but post-purchase again like content and distribution you're only halfway there mm. um, with great content with the sales funnel you're only halfway there at purchase anymore you need that post-purchase satisfaction you need an, you need engagement by that person hopefully they're joining that community that's around whatever their purchase was um, you need recommendation now like Amazon products live and die on recommendations, right? And movies yeah. live and die on that and, and Netflix shows and, and everything else. And, and then you need, um, referral and that's mm. word of mouth. And, and that's as classic as it gets from a marketing standpoint, you need them to tell someone about it. So that person goes and, and starts at the top of the funnel um, yes. and it fuels awareness. So the bottom fuels the top and, um, I guarantee you can line up every step of the way with the hero's journey. You can also line up every marketing channel or tactic with that double sales funnel. Right. So what's a, what's awareness building? What's consideration building? What's, what's, what generates recommendation? What, what generates repurchase? You know, all those things you can line up with um, a tactic and a, a, a step in a storytelling. A storytelling. Wow. 
Well, you know what? I, these are concepts I think we've not for sure I've heard before, but the, the way you simplified it by simply saying a double funnel, like I think so many times we think of the single one, but you're right. Yeah. You need to be looking at at least, at least the double. And that's I a mean, nice if, short way of looking at it. Yeah. If you're, if you're ending at the purchase, you're in trouble anymore. True. Right. Um, that means that someone probably bought on price and didn't buy into your brand, didn't engage with your brand, didn't, um, didn't enter your community. Um, you were the cheapest option and they, they picked it up curbside uh, these days and, yeah. and drove home and, and you're not coming back up until they need whatever that is again and you're the cheapest. You were takeout on Uber Eats. Yeah. Uh, a very wise person, and I don't remember who said this, uh, said that how they found you is how they're going to leave you. you know? Yeah. Um, and if they found like you that. on price, they'll probably leave you on price. So it's not the place to put your bets. Yeah. Sure. No, that's good. I like that. Hypothetical for you. Yeah, right? Well, I, I owe you a bunch right now. You got me a book. You got me a VQ. I appreciate spot. that. Maybe I'll take a, here, here it is. I'll take a Norwegian cruise to Catalina Island or, and I'll read that book and I'll watch the TV show. Yeah, perfect. When I've got sunburn and I can't leave the room. Perfect. Um, so here, here's the hypothetical. Uh, I may or may not have a time machine in Nashville, New Hampshire. Um, by the way, if I get like, Chinese and Russian spies coming to Nashville, New Hampshire, looking for my time machine. This is a hypothetical, people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, where is your time machine? <laughs> I don't have one. Um, if you can go back in time and talk to yourself at the beginning of your career, sometimes we say like you just graduated with that, that English degree. What would you tell yourself? Any kind of advice would you give yourself? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple things. I, I I was probably guilty in my twenties of uh, letting things come to me and I was very lucky and that's a bad habit. You gotta, you gotta go out and get what you want. And that's what I, that's what I started to do in my thirties and, and beyond. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of like those really talented players and when they're in high school and then you, they get to the college level and, and they don't do as well. It, and it's, it's that, um, if you're, if you're relying on luck and talent, you're, uh, it's going to end at some point. You, mm. you need the, um, you need the hard work certainly. Um, and you need the luck and the talent, but you also need to, you need to kind of go after and target and focus on what you want versus just letting the world come to you. I like that. And that's it probably a little, little more, uh, therapist couch than you wanted, but, uh, no. that's, no, hey, that's a, that's part, a hard, hard lesson to learn at some point. For sure. It for sure. Well, no, it, it, it makes total sense. And it's kind of like relying on SEO for your entire marketing campaign. It's like, exactly. Whatever Google says, we'll just let them dictate how many customers we get. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it's funny too, though, about just it, when, when things are good or happening, we tend to just be like, wow, we're amazing. And you just kind of ride the wave to your point, as opposed to, being like, hey, you need to go get it. And maybe you came halfway. Go, go the other halfway. Go get that ball. Go whatever. Yeah. Um, if you want something, go get it. Don't just wait for it to fall in your lap. Because maybe it did once, but it might not, to your point, the second time. Also, I, I think the other big one, and I did learn this one early on, is, is you're as good as the people around you um, mm. and taking the opportunity to learn from all the people and choosing where you're spending your time, which means choosing your job. Um, where there's a lot of smart people to learn from. And, you know, there's that, that whole idea of 
never be the smartest person in the room. Um, I, I think that's a that's a lesson that that a lot of um, people coming out of college uh, aren't even aware of. It's not like they're making that mistake or whatever. It's just you're not aware of that. You really want to, um, you know, maybe you you're looking at a great company or 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 you want to work in a you want to be in a great city, and that's how you're choosing your job. And really, you really need to choose it on is the the people and everyone says culture. I, I'm less concerned about culture and, and picking a job because of the culture um, and more about the people that I'm going to, that are going to be around me that I can learn yeah. from. Yeah. That you can learn from to your point. I think sometimes we seek that af the affirmation of I, I chose the right career or I can really do this. It's like, if you can suspend some of that and just be the idiot soaking up from all these brilliant yeah. people um, and, and work hard to make up for it. Um, those, those smart people around you will appreciate the fact that, you don't know anything and you're transparent about it and you're learning and yep. you're working hard, you know, ask like a bunch of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't usually mind questions. And I guess if, if they do, then maybe you're at the wrong spot, but either way, like yeah. be in a place there you can ask questions and you can learn and sponge from people. How do you, how do you do that? Uh, you know, how do you, when you become a, you know, senior level marketer, you're a fractional CMO, how do you stay around people because uh, oftentimes I bet you are the smartest guy in the room, especially when it comes uh, to marketing. I, I, I certainly, uh, I certainly hope not, and and uh, <laughs> that's not the case. And and there's sure. always something to learn from somebody, whether it's on the creative side or the strategy side or or any piece, or or frankly on the and this is one gets lost a lot on the human side. Yeah, you know, you can you can always be a better person, even if you're the best at something else. Um, you, you can definitely always keep improving yourself. Um. I've, I've been lucky enough to be around a lot of really smart people. And then if I'm not, or, um, or like now where I'm, I'm a little more independent in how I'm operating, I'm seeking them out and I'm asking, I'm calling and asking questions. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, the people that I know are very smart in certain areas. I'm, I'm still trying to talk to and ask questions and check in with, and, you know, part of it's a, a friendship thing and you want to maintain friendships particularly. And, um, while well, we're all kind of homebound, but, uh, it's also kind of continuing to learn from those people that I've had the opportunity yeah. to know through my career. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. Uh, if you can make that transition, if you can be all about the learning and not about the, the kudos or like I said, the, the praise. Yeah. And this is something I've, I've been challenged with. And when I think back to the times when I've been most successful, it's when I'm just like soaking it up and I'm around smart people, mentors, um, David Meiselman, he was on, uh, show 100. He was my very first marketing uh, boss, leader, VP, and uh, I, I call him my Yoda to your earlier Star Wars. Yeah. Like, like I am the idiot. Like Luke Skywalker is kind of an idiot at the beginning of the show, right? He doesn't know anything and he's just, you kind of don't even know if you like whiny. him. Right. So <laughs> whiny, right? And then, <laughs> but he eventually gets there, but you know, you need a, an Obi-Wan or a Yoda to, yep. to show him the way. So, and I've had a lot of, of, of Yodas and Obi-Wans over the years and, yeah. and, uh, how do you, what's the, to extent, luckily and, um, uh, cause it's not so common in, in advertising, unfortunately, I've had a lot of, I, I don't want to say Princess Leia, but I've had the, the female, uh, mentors and I yeah, think whatever that a huge that impact on my career. Um, my, all of my early creative directors were female, mm -hmm. um, for the first, you know, five, five or eight years, six or eight years of my career. Um, so I learned a lot from them and then I've had, um, 
agency presidents that were female and and uh, um, VPs and COOs and and positions that weren't traditionally female in ad mm. agency world in the in the 90s and, and early 2000s and unfortunately even now mm-hmm. um, that I just learned an immense amount from and and I think that's uh, incredibly important and, and can't go underrated and you know there's a there's always a, a huge talk about diversity and, and yeah. gender equality and um, it, it really is um, it should be paid attention to for no other reason and that's the way to win um, right. there's more more voices, more diverse voices. And that means people from the country and and people from the city and gender and race and everything else that goes Mm -hmm. into that. Um, I I think diversity of thought is is critical and and diversity of of kind of who you're around and who you can learn from. Gather those different experiences. That's incredibly helpful. For sure. And and everyone brings their own shape and color and like experience past so i love asking about you know where you came from like kansas and and the fact that the the tall buildings you know i'm in new hampshire so whenever we see that i'm still like wow you know if you stand outside of one in new york or something you look up and you're like how does it even work you know how do we even have buildings like that yeah but to understand the past you're right you bring so much to it and from a diversity standpoint i mean you can learn something from anyone and everyone i think we need like a a female Yoda metaphor equivalent. Though. I don't, yeah, there's I don't, not that I know. I'm mean, not top of my head, but it's uh, it's an important yeah, important thing yeah. in my kind of career development over the years. I feel like someone should tweet me um, an example. Casey Chash on Twitter, uh, tweet yeah, tweet us both. Like tag us both. What is a great you know? Because we should bring those those things up. Because um, I've, I've worked with someone. Um, um, I had a great great female boss. She was awesome. And you're right. You learn something from everyone, you know, in the marketing world. Cool. Um, huh. This has been fun, man. Yeah. I, really I had a blast. All, all sorts of conversations and all sorts of books now that I need to read and movies. I got a TV shows. I got to check out. Hey, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out? Uh, Professional world is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, and, yeah, yeah, and that's the easiest one. I'm Chris Austin in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, my company uh, that I do the fractional CMO work is is Camo Marketing, which is Chris Austin Marketing Officer. Uh, I was a lucky uh, lucky on okay. the. I didn't know if you like a hunting fan. You're like Camo. I, I did grow up. Uh, I grew up in Kansas, so I bet you uh, did. there's certainly some some hunting that goes in there. A lot of uh, pheasant and quail and things like that. Um, and then. Uh, like most agencies, it's really hard to get to your website. And, and uh, the same is true for an independent operator. That's a fractional CMO. But my website uh, launches, I, I believe, in uh, early June. So okay. I'll have that. I've been doing the fractional CMO work since last fall. So it's about time that I had some, right. some digital presence beyond my LinkedIn profile and the Camo Marketing profile on LinkedIn. For sure. But in the meantime, I mean, LinkedIn is that golden connection spoken hub and spoke type of thing you just yep. get someone on there how, how is it going how the, the, the fractional cmo thing it, it seems like a really smart move these days it, it is and i think particularly for certain types of businesses certainly startups yeah. certainly uh smbs um the uh local local slash online retail i think is another good one that that's there um and it's it's for folks that 
do great in what they do, um, yeah. whether it's B2B or, or a retail store or whatever it happens to be. Um, but they just need to get the word out because they've grown so much that they've kind of, they've to, to continue to scale. Like they've gotten from, yeah. from zero to, to 80 uh, quickly because they did a great job at whatever they do and they're the best at what they do. Yeah. They need to just amplify that to take it from 80 to 100. And, and that's where I come in. And um, I, I'm typically working with or training some lower, lower tier or mid-level um, marketing people that are internal. Um, I can give I can give the strategy piece and the the campaign recommendations and um, it's cost effective. I mean, I, I, in the end, you're getting uh, CMO insight for a fraction of the of the cost, and that's mm -hmm. that's really the um, that's really the the value proposition there. And yeah, I can add a lot more to it. And, and if you or I are talking about me coming on as a fractional CMO, there's a there's a lot more to share about that. But ultimately, that what that's what it is. You get all the insight and and execution that you're that you would get from a, a, a full marketing staff. But you're you're getting it from uh, at a, at a part time cost, and uh, you're also tapping into a network of freelancers and mm. and boutique agencies that are very good at what they do. That I've worked with over the over the twenty plus years of of my career. So I get to bring a a whole network of, of people along with me into every room that I go into. I know that saves time too, because I have to half the challenge can be like, okay, I need to go find someone who does social or, or someone who does yeah. PPC. Like who do you try or even worse SEO? Who do you, who can you trust? Yeah. Who's legit? Who's a scammer? Upwork is tough to know. find the right people. Yeah. But so if you, but if you've got that, that team that you've, you've, yeah. you know, of, you know, consultants or, other companies you work with that you built up over time, you guys trust each other. You can skip all that. It probably saves you a good three months or more just being able to skip yeah. the, you know, evaluation process. Yeah, because they're they're all trusted partners of mine, and and uh, I also get to manage them versus right. you know whoever the, the oh, company right. you managing them. Right, right. So that that takes uh, a lot out of it, and then I, there's just a heck of a lot fewer meetings than an agency. You know, mm -hmm. that's one thing I've noticed. Um, over the last six months is I have about 20 hours a week that I'm used to be in meetings that I get to actually work and do <laughs> yeah. stuff. So <laughs> and oh, occasionally play golf instead of sitting in a, in a, in a board meeting or something. So right. um, the, the model is uh, time efficient as well for everyone involved, including me. Got it. Sweet. Sweet. I love it. What, where's the first place you're going to travel to when you can travel safely? Ooh, we just had to cancel our annual trip to Harbor Island in the Bahamas. And uh, that is my favorite. Where's Harbor Islands? Here's another island I got to learn about. I was just it in is, the Bahamas. It is amazing. It is um, pink sands, not a lot of cars. You go around on a golf, court, golf cart. There's no hotel over maybe 30 rooms. We stayed at a wonderful place called the Dunmore. Um, you fly into Eleuthera and then take a ferry. Uh, I call it a ferry. A large pontoon across the bay over to... Harbor Island and, and get your golf cart. And it's a fantastic, uh, just a fantastic Island. It's tiny. That looks awesome. Man, you, I, I can tell you've been in traveling tours and there's, there's a plenty, any, any other recommendations while you're at it? Um, and then we're I, <laughs> first place we're going is, uh, that'll, that trip from, you know, canceled in June, we'll probably move to the fall. I think this summer we like to, uh, we like to go to Deer Valley in Utah and enjoy the mountains and the fresh air. And wow. Um, 
and, and see friends out there. Deer Valley, Utah. It's good in the summer. It's good for skiing. Can't go wrong either way. Seriously. I love mountains. You know, anything tall that I can hike up and kick my butt. Uh, it's a beautiful that. spot. That's fantastic. Crazy, man. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on here. I think this has been like a really fun conversation. Yeah, no, I, uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, like an hour and hour and change here. Right. You know, time flies, right? When you're, you're having a good time, you just look up at your clock. Like, wait a second. How long have we been talking? Um, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you come out and back here, especially as the, you know, the quarantining clears up and just get a sense for what do you see now and what has changed and, and get your sense. And then we should probably just geek out on travel. Cause I know we didn't get a chance to talk about Thailand and some of those other places. Yeah. So we'll have to, I have spots. to do that. Um, we didn't talk. We didn't talk uh, branding and the and Simon Sinek and the Golden Circle. Oh gosh, and, and there's so much. That, yeah, the other well, half of my world. So stay tuned, people. <laughs> when you see this name pop up again, now you're gonna be like, okay, now I'm gonna go. Uh, but that'll give t- people time to have visited and read and done the things we just talked about um, before talking about more. Um, for those listening, if you've learned something, and I know you have, because I literally have page two pages of notes over here. Um, then share this episode with someone, uh, be a thought leader. But what we always recommend is put your take on it. So if you're going to LinkedIn, put your take on it. Here's the thing I listened to. Here's a link. Um, here are the takeaways link to Chris, you know, um, tag him. So we can all hop in there and comment on it, but that's how you show thought leadership, um, is by sharing this with someone else. So go do that. Tag us. We'll make you famous. I also and, did uh, forget uh, Twitter and, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, real, real Chris Austin on, uh, on Twitter. Real Chris. Cause yeah, you want to make sure you get the real, real, that's a cool, that's makes you like a movie star. Well, that's, that's why I went with it. Are you, are you, are you verified too? Do you have like no, a, no, 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 no. Me neither. I'm I, not, don't, I'm I not. don't have that many followers and that's why I forgot it. But, uh, that's where the, the podcast, um, kind of post podcast discussion seems to go is, is yeah. Twitter. So, okay. Throw my perfect. hat in the ring on uh, on that platform. Perfect, perfect. Well, this has been awesome, man. Thank you again, Chris. This has been fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. For everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one. 